guys, welcome to Dance Matters Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Crystallized Costumes, the place for all your costume needs and adrenaline dance competitions. Dance Matters Podcast is designed to celebrate all things dance and the performing arts industry. The place to be inspired, motivated and educated. We are your hosts, Kaylee and Charlie. Today's guest, Kim Jingra, has lit up stages around the world, dancing with the biggest names in the business, from Beyonce to Justin Timberlake, Jennifer Lopez, Megan Trainer, Ariana Grande, Gwen Stefani, the Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Madonna, Nicole Scherzinger, Pharrell Williams, oh my goodness, Nick Jonas, Pitbull, Christina Aguilera, and the list literally goes on and on. But Kim's path to success wasn't really the typical path we see today. Kim didn't actually take her first dance class until she was 15 years old. But that certainly has never held her back. From taking that first dance class, it quickly became apparent that she had a true talent and a passion for the art form. And despite starting university, Kim quickly realised that her true passion lay with dance and she wasn't going to be satisfied until she really tried to make a career out of it. Being selected as a Monsters of Hip Hop cast member led to her establishing her name and then being chosen for So You Think You Can Dance Canada Season 2. Whilst Kim had created a name for herself in Canada, she had bigger dreams, so she packed her bags for the bright lights of LA. Throughout her career, Kim has not been one to take no for an answer. She scored her breakthrough role by crashing a Nicole Scherzinger audition and booking the job. From there, she has never looked back. Yet for someone with so much success, the journey hasn't been without its challenges. Kim has dealt with her fair share of self-doubt. And it's those experiences that have led her to create her own online mentoring program now for dancers. The Kim Jingra Experience is an online mentoring program dedicated to helping dancers achieve their personal goals. It's a place where you can find out all the tips and tricks from someone who has been there. Before we get to the incredible career moments, let's first take it back to five-year-old Kim, who may not have formally trained in dance, but still displayed a passion for it. Dance has always been an in and out of my family, I think, in terms of my grandparents and my parents loving to do social dancing. So I have pictures of me like at five years old learning to rock and roll and cha-cha for fun at, you know, at family parties. But financially, we weren't in a place to, to be able to train in any way or do any you know activities outside of school until around that age. So at age 15 is when I followed suit with my young sister who was doing some hip hop and commercial classes and I was like wait that looks really fun and I jumped in. <laughs> now that really gives people some hope I guess for those people who are joining in dance late when you've got kids who are doing so many hours from the age of three and they think they've missed the boat it didn't matter for you starting that late? No and I'm, I'm glad that you bring it up because I do have some friends who actually started when they were like 18, 19, 21 and they're professional dancers now so I don't think you know the age it matters that much obviously the amount of hours that you put in the training that you get I think your mindset is what's most important of course I'm not gonna lie I did feel like oh man I wish I had like a ballerina body that I had learned technical like classical technique you know I had bad feet I still have bad feet you know wasn't very flexible but I managed with what I had you know I, I 
took advantage of what my strengths were and I bet on those and I kept going. Now you say you always had a love for dance. What was it that made you walk into that first dance class at 15? I loved watching music videos back then. You know, it was cassette tapes that we would have to, you know, record the music videos that played on much music at like 6 p.m. at night and you get like the top six at six. And I'd watch Jennifer Lopez, Christina Aguilera, you know, Destiny's Child. And I was just like, wow, I want to learn these dances. I want to do this. And then it's when my younger sister, Mary Eve, took a dance class. And, and, you know, a couple of months later, I was watching her go, watching her practice at home. And I was like, this is what I want to do. That's that's similar styles to what I'm seeing in these music videos. So I jumped right in after that. When you walked into that first dance class, how did you feel? There's obviously kids that had been dancing for years and years. Did you feel like you had a lot of catching up to do? It wasn't too bad, to be honest. I, you know, if I rewind, I did do gymnastics for a couple of years before dancing. And I did feel that way. I remember, you know, being 12, 13, and I'm doing gymnastics with these six-year-old, seven-year-old, and, you know, my, I'm feeling awkward. My body is starting to grow, and, like, I'm in these little, you know, outfits, and I felt a little out of place there. But then when I went into, you know, those commercial classes, I felt like I belonged. I was with a group of girls from all different ages, but we all had, you know, dance as a passion in common, and it just felt great. When you started your dance training, how many hours did you start doing? Was it just one or two or did you jump straight into it and do it all? Definitely not all at first. I was part of one team, one crew when I first started. So it was probably like maybe four hours a week or something like that. Maybe we saw each other twice, I think, a week. Then I jumped into another team. So I was doing two teams at once. So then it got a little bit more intense, uh, you know, on a weekly, all while being at school and doing my things at school. And it wasn't until the age of like 18 or so, I want to say, where it kind of clicked in for me that this could be a profession. I was going to dance conventions, one in particular, Triple Threat Dance, which is all around Canada. And when I met Kelly Kono, who is a Canadian dancer who has danced with Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake, you know, Michael Jackson, you name it, she's done the big ones. She made me realize, and they all, you know, the faculty there made me realize, wow, it's possible. You can be that Canadian girl and move to Los Angeles, get a work visa and dance as a living. So that kind of shifted my mentality. I was still in school. It's still, you know, it was important for me to get good grades. I, I, I really enjoyed it, school. But all of a sudden, I was like, okay, let me try to get into jazz and a little bit of salsa and a little bit of contemporary, you know, and try to be as versatile as possible. What style did you primarily training to start off with? Was it a hip hop and jazz? It was commercial work. Uh, okay. Back then, we would call them hip hop classes. But to be, you know, more specific now, and to be clear with what the style was, I definitely would call it more of commercial work. Mm-hmm. And then after two, three years of that, I went into the, you know, sort of the under the umbrella of hip hop uh, and freestyle styles such as whacking, locking, house popping, a little bit of b-girling. So all of that was very much in what, you know, what I was training in and loving. And then on, tapping onto that was a bit of jazz and contemporary after that. Again, I wasn't crazy flexible or technical, but it was nice to get at least the basics, to know the terms and to get a double, a clean double and, you know, some of these tricks. On that, you have danced for some amazing superstar music artists. You have been on stages all around the world. Now, you didn't have all the ballet training and you say you weren't as flexible. Do you need to be able to do seven or eight turns and be doing these amazing kicks in order to have a career as a professional dancer? Absolutely not. To make it as a dancer, no. Depends, obviously, from there, what do you want to do as a dancer, right? Do you want to be a part of a company? Do you want to go on Broadway? Do you want to be, you know, in the pop artist type of industry? Do you want to do movies? 
movies, musical theater. It really depends on where you're going. With what I wanted to do, of course, I knew that it would be a strong asset to have that on top of what I had. But, you know, I kind of just faked it till I made it in terms of the technical side of things. And what really paid off was my, my work ethics, to be honest. That's what I really developed. I thought, you know what? I might have these weaknesses and you know when it comes to maybe classical training but let me work extra hard let me you know keep training and I think some of my teachers when I was younger really uh, noticed that quite early and would applaud me for it which was really helpful to okay all right you know what I'm not nailing this and I don't have four turns in a row but you're seeing me practice on the side and practice at home and then one summer I remember I was like I'm gonna stretch every day and try to get my splits and then you know, the next semester I came around, I was like, I have my right and left splits, finally. <laughs> so um, the work ethics is something I think that really I personally try to push when I, you know, when I mentor dancers. I think, you know, we all have lacks, whether you could be that beautiful classically trained dancer and maybe you're missing a little bit of grounded hip hop or, you know, footwork or whatever it might be. You know, I think it's hard to find that or is it even possible to find that perfect dancer who can do it all. Uh, but you bet on what you have and you go towards what you're desiring and you try to you know I think I picture it as a big bag and I'm putting my tools in there and whatever it is that I think I need to get to that exact point is what I'm going to go for and my end point might be completely different from Charlie's end point for example so it really depends um, but I, I, I really think that we shouldn't limit ourselves oh I can't turn or I can't do jump so I can't do this that means I cannot be a professional dancer because that's not true. Three years after you started, you won a gold medal at the World Hip Hop Championships. Tell us about that experience. Oh, yeah. So I didn't really do a lot of competitions, to be honest. I didn't, again, starting at 15, I think was a little later than most. And I wasn't that dancer that did like a jazz solo and a hip hop solo and a duet and this and that. Uh, but I did do a, you know, a year of intense uh, training to go to the world championships with a team back then it was called extreme and to this day I'm still friends with all these girls and you know talk to some of them still here and there and uh, it was a great experience it was a very eye-opening experience and very enriching to see other crews from around the world it was one of my first times going into the states the competition was in Miami so going there and just getting to meet people from all around the world was just eye-opening and so exciting and different cultures, different people, different ways of dancing. It just made me more hungry for, for more. When did you decide that you could actually make a career out of dancing? Uh, so realizing it, I think it was more around the age of like 18 or so. I was still in school, but I've, I figured, you know what, I'll, I'll just give my all in both and see when it's time for me to make a decision, which was, so when I finally decided, okay, it's time, I was, I think I was 20, 21 or so. I was in university here in physical therapy and halfway through the, my, the program, I realized I was missing out on auditions. And I was seeing my friends do these shows. And because I was at school all day, I couldn't commit. I couldn't go. And that was really, that was, that was so hard for me to see. I was like, okay, then clearly I have my answer here. My heart is way more into dance than it is into physical therapy. So I'm just going to give it my all. I sat down with my mom, with a few of my mentors. I talked about it. And thankfully, you know, my family is super supportive. They're like, yeah, go for it. Jump. Try it. And if, if anything, you just come back to school if, if it doesn't work out. So it was then that I decided I'm going in full force and I never looked back. And did you start trying to get work in Canada? Is that where you started doing your dance career? Yes, absolutely. So in Quebec, my 
the province where I'm from. That's where I first had my career for a good five, six years, I think I want to say, uh, maybe even more. And then kind of broadened my horizon by doing a bit of Canada. So going over to Toronto, the province next to us, I did So You Think You Can Dance Canada season two. So that was a nice diving board into the rest of Canada. And then from there, at the age of 25, 26 is when I was planning and decided to move to Los Angeles to continue my career. I felt like I kind of, you know, made my rounds and, and did what I wanted to do at home. And now it was time to just push a little further and see if I could possibly tour the world with Beyonce. <laughs> so as you mentioned, you were on So You Think You Can Dance season two in Canada. Did you enjoy that experience? Oh yeah, such a great experience. A really, you know, a school of dance and a school of life because we were tested and it was challenging, not just dance-wise, because obviously you know how so you think goes and you end up picking different styles you've never done before, so that can be challenging, but also having to deal with injuries, but the show must go on and you're tired and you have to wake up earlier and earlier as the months go by. You know, the further you make it into the competition, the more dances you have to do per show and social media wasn't a huge thing but they did have their website and they had chat rooms on there so if you know if you were to look at the chats and then read some comments that maybe are a little bit more negative towards you that was hurtful so there was all of the emotional side of things to to deal with and then maybe you would see your closest friends be eliminated and you were like no that's unfair they should have stayed so yeah lots of obstacles lots of challenges and lots of uh, being tested but it made me grow and I learned so much and I'm so grateful for did the show open up opportunities for you? Absolutely. The biggest thing was that I was able to get my work visa after that. So for anyone listening who is thinking of perhaps getting a work visa in the United States, you have to prove, and I'm saying this in quotes because I think it's a little, you know, hilarious. You have to prove that you're 2% best in your country. And I'm definitely not 2% best in my country, <laughs> but you know, they're making it extreme to, you know, let us know, well, you have to prove that the States absolutely needs you. Why can't we use one of ours or, or can we not find another Kim in the United States so by doing So You Think You Can Dance Canada that's a huge national even international show it's well known a lot of people millions of people watch it I had to audition amongst hundreds of people thousands of people and I made it all the way to the top eight so clearly she must have something special right so that was a big sort of stamp for me to get my O1 visa that's not all it needs but that was part of it and then the the relationships I got to build on the show too because they would have a lot of guest choreographers, people that would come in and work on us. Got closer to Luther Brown, who I love and adore as a choreographer that was on the show. There was Blake McGrath. There was other people. There, those two are Canadians, but there was, you know, some American ones that would also come on the show and work with us. Uh, Gil Daldalau was there, who, you know, works with Janet Jackson. So I got to be introduced to these incredible people I was looking up to. So that was really exciting, too. You were selected as a Monsters of Dance Hip Hop cast member. Is hip-hop your favorite style? I am most comfortable with commercial dancing and hip-hop. It's probably the two styles I've done the most in my life. But when it comes to my favorite, I think what embodies more who is Kim is probably throwing me in a pair of heels and doing something a bit more feminine or even maybe a little bit more burlesque. I was able, I was, I had the chance to be a part of a burlesque show here in Montreal when I was here years ago. And then I got to do another incredible burlesque show in Los Angeles when I was there, which is called Harlow Gold. And it's incredible. And um, I really feel, I think my most Kim when I'm in heels doing more feminine, but empowering dances. I don't understand how you dance in heels. I can't walk in heels. 
<laughs> yeah, it takes practice for sure. <laughs> you ever fallen over, had any injuries? Fallen over, I probably tripped here and there, absolutely. I do remember once when we were on tour with Beyonce where my heel broke off at the beginning of the show. And so I'm dancing with one heel and then one's off, so my toes are up and it's just like silly looking and I'm trying to do my best to not look awkward all while trying to kick the heel off of off stage because I knew B was about to come my way and walk in front and I didn't want her to trip or fall on my heel anyways it was uh it was a little drastic at the moment but you know we have a million of those stories when you do a show a hundred and you know 80 times you're bound to have some you know wardrobe malfunctions <laughs> could you imagine that being the person who tripped over and injured Beyonce Oh my god, no. You decided to make the leap and head to LA to pursue your dreams. Was that a difficult step? It was a very difficult step to, to make but also the clearest decision for me. Once I've decided, once I had the conversation with my mom, I remember her comparing it to having kids, to being a mother. She's like, you know what? You can't wait until you're ready because you're never fully ready. You just have your kids and then you figure it out. I don't have kids, so I can't relate, but Kelly, is that right? (laughs) Yeah, no, you're never fully prepared. Exactly. So she was like, you just got to go. You just got to jump and you'll figure it out. And, you know, my mom is very solution-based, solution-oriented, and she's always there for me. So I felt pretty empowered and confident, like, you know what? Yeah, this is the next step for me. So it was hard, of course, you know, saying goodbye to all my best friends, my peers, my mentors, my family, who I'm super close with. I have three beautiful sisters that I, you know, see all the time and talk to all the time. To leave all that behind and then start back at zero at the age of 26 was pretty rough too because I had it good in Canada. I had a career. Everything was going well. Gigs after gigs were coming in and now I had to kind of start back at zero in LA but it was absolutely worth it. I was with my best friend now who was my boyfriend at the time, Vincent. We, you know, we moved out there together with my other best friend, Mel Ma. We lived together, all Canadians supporting one another. So I still had a little family, right? But it was definitely a a big transition. Now, I've heard that your breakthrough role occurred after you crashed a Nicole Scherzinger audition and booked the job. Talk us through that experience. Yeah, so that audition and that moment was kind of, or booking that job was really a big not aha moment, but definitely like a, I made it. Like mom, I made the right decision. So I had I had booked a few jobs prior to that when I moved to LA and they were all great and so fun. Uh, but I think she was probably the closest to what I was looking for and why I moved in terms of if we go back to, you know, the styles I like in heels and, you know, she's from Pussycat Dolls and I would look at them when I was in Montreal and think, oh my gosh. And then there's Carmeet the Redhead, who's also a dancer in Pussycat Dolls. And I, you know, be able to picture myself in there. So to know that Nicole was going, you know, the solo route and had a single coming out, I thought, oh my gosh, this is it. I feel like I could really book this job. Uh, Unfortunately, I found out through friends that it was happening. And unfortunately, I called my agent and I wasn't on the list to be, you know, to be sent to the audition. Whenever there's an audition call, there's different criteria and specifics, you know, that they're looking for. And I didn't match those. So, of course, with respect, I was like, okay, good to know. You know, it's always, I think it's always smart for dancers to call their agents and have that open communication, you know, let them know what you'd like to do or why you weren't picked or whatnot. So they let me know. And I was like, okay, great. But you know what? I don't know that I'm ready to take that as a final answer. Like, I really feel it in my gut that this is for me. I should definitely show up and try it. So Jaquel Knight was the choreographer, who I love, who I did Monsters of Hip Hop cast 2008 with. So he was a dancer on there, but he was a choreographer for Nicole. And he's so sweet. And back in 2008, when we did Monsters in L.A., I remember him saying, you know what? When you move to L.A. or if you move to L.A., 
I got you back. Let me know. Don't hesitate. And he was just like the sweetest and so generous. So I hit him up. I was like, hey, so I hear the one, you know, holding the audition. I know I don't fully fit what you guys might be looking for, but can I give it a try? Can I, can I show up? Yes, of course. Show up at this time. No problem. So I get there and, you know, there's hundreds of dancers. We're going at it. They're making cuts after cuts. We're there for hours. I felt like I was like in a movie. Um, then Nicole shows up herself. She wants to see us dance. Then they ask us to do a solo, the whole song on our own, one at a time. So it was like quite the process. And then at the end, I found out that I got it. But what was super excited and why it was like an I made it moment, it's that I didn't only just book a music video with her, but that also became a first performance with her for her single on Ellen DeGeneres on American Idol, on So You Think You Can Dance US, and then I went on tour with her, and I did more music videos, and I still to this day work with Nicole. So it's like the gift that keeps on giving, and she just has been incredible. So it's definitely a blessing, and I'm glad um, I had like a hard head, and I was like, no, I'm going. (laughs) After that opportunity, did the jobs just keep flowing, or did you ever have a moment where you thought, oh, LA's not working, I need to head home? I never had a moment where I felt like I need to head home, it's not working, knock on wood, but there's definitely downs, you know, there's definitely, there are weeks, months at a time where you're like, wow, I've had no auditions, there's no castings, what's going on, do we want me, like, you know, if any dancer is listening right now thinking they want a career in dance, I think you have to just be okay that that comes with the territory of questioning because there's just so many ups and downs and you're not in control of it, or not all of it right of course there's so much that we can create on our own if you have like a side hustle or business or you know you start your own podcast or whatever it is that you have going on but in terms of waiting for you know your agent to call you or a choreographer to call you and book you you just never know what that when that's going to happen so it can be hard at times and i think it's important for dancers to just remember that it's a part of the game that it you know not to doubt themselves too much not to throw in the towel and say oh you know what clearly i'm not needed i'm not wanted Because it's not that, you know, sometimes there's a million shows and tours happening and sometimes there's nothing. People happen to have, you know, the tours are gone and there's no one going on tour soon. And so you just kind of wait around and you're hoping for the next gig to come in. So, so yeah, lots of ups and downs for sure. How do you deal with those ebbs and flows, not only mentally, but things like I've got to pay the next rent check. And I don't know when my next job's coming. Yeah, it's super important to be really good with your finances. And unfortunately, and that's not just in our industry, I think in general, we don't talk about money enough for finances. That's something that I bring up all the time. It's a full chapter in my mentorship program that I give just to open people's eyes on it. And I'm no expert, but I'll definitely share the books I've read, you know, the the things I do, the things to think about. But as an independent contractor, when you don't know when the next paycheck is going to come in, you just have to be smart with your money. You have to put some aside, put some aside for your taxes you'll have to pay at the end of the year. So maybe that's a 30% just to be, you know, sure, a nice cushion. And then another chunk, you know, they say that you should have between four to six months worth of rent and life payments uh, put aside in case an emergency or in case something happens, right? Or pandemic hits. So if you have that security pot of money that's worth six months of all your expenses, well, it gives you that six months not to freak out and to, you know, try to find some other way to make money or find another side job or whatnot. So I think it's really crucial that we are careful with, with our money and we try to save as much as possible. 
You have worked with Beyonce on Super Bowl performances, two world tours, and numerous music videos. What is she like to work with? Oh, Beyonce is amazing. She's incredible. She really lived up to everything I was picturing and envisioning and more. She is, you know, she's a boss. She's incredible. And I mean that in a way that she, she like, this is her baby. Whatever we're working on, it's it's her. She's not just sort of showing up and telling me where to be, which there's nothing wrong with that, depending on, you know, the amount of involvement that you want to be in. But, um, yeah, it's, it's every time. It's, it's her career. It's her baby. She's so involved. She's so creative. She is there for all the rehearsals. She'll watch it a couple times and then gets up and does it. She's so talented. She's so great. You know, just woman empowerment. That's what she represents to me. We were all different women from all different places and countries around the world with different, you know, dance styles representing, you know, different ethnicities. And she's the kind of person who will say, hey, Kim, what do you feel most sexiest like? Do you want your hair down? Do you want it curly? Do you want a ponytail? Okay, great. Do that. You know, just very empowering others and there to celebrate and to do what she loves to do. And does she have a good relationship with her dancers? I know some music artists, they pretty much don't talk to them. Is she pretty good with them? Yes. Oh, yeah. She's excellent. Of course, it's not like we we won't go for coffee, her and I, right? <laughs> there might be some other artists whose phone numbers I have or, you know, hang out with here and there. But for her, you know, she's a mom. She, her husband was there often. Baby Blue would be with us on tour. She'd come to the girls' dressing room for the show. So we have sort of this bond where she trusts us with her, with her kids around, which is really nice. And we'll do a prayer before the show and then the occasional, you know, events to celebrate here and there after a tour. But, uh, but nothing more in terms of personal relationship. I think she has a lot on her plate, but she's incredible with all of us. Absolutely. I remember I actually ended up turning down a third world tour with her, the formation world tour, because uh, my friend Mel Ma, who I mentioned I was living with in LA, her and I decided to start a company called You Got This Girl a few years back. And we were in the midst of building it. We're excited. We have a logo. We can't wait to launch. And then that's when I got the offer for the tour. And it was a really hard decision to make, but I felt like I was, I needed to complete what I was doing. So I ended up writing her, you know, a message explaining to Beyonce why I was declining the tour and what I was working on. And then they went on tour. And then next time I saw her, she just hugged me. And she was like, oh, you did the right thing. I'm so proud of you. This is so great. And then I kept working with her after that. You know, she's just that kind of person. You have to be one of the few people who have turned down Beyonce. Was that a hard decision? <laughs> it was so hard. And the thing is, I had like three hours to decide from when I got the notice and then they wanted the answer in the next like 24 hours. But I was actually just about to hop on a flight to go to Switzerland. So that was like a 12 hour flight. So I had to tell them in the next couple hours because then I wasn't going to be able to be reached. So I was tough. I was stressing out. <laughs> You're on a world tour with an artist like Beyonce. What is the lifestyle like? It's fun. With Beyonce, it's definitely, you know, it's big. We're a huge team. There's the side of it that's glamorous, of course. I know, you know, some people that might look in, you know, from the outside looking into what I'm doing might be like, oh my gosh, it's all glam and big hotels and private jets and this and that. But there is also, yes, like, of course, that's super fun. But there is also, you know, the, the harder times where you're on a tour bus sometimes for hours on end. You're sharing that bus with 14 people. You don't have your own space for a while. Your body is tired. You're going through different time zones. And that could be super confusing when you get in there and it feels like it's 2 a.m. for you, but you have to do a show that night. And so that can be, you know, a struggle in terms of nutrition and physically making sure you take care of your body, of yourself, being away from your family, your loved ones. If you have a partner, that could be hard to, to try to figure out a, the best time to face tighten them and stuff. 
So that's like the more, more difficult part of it. But in general, I mean, it's a dream come true. That's exactly, you know, that was my biggest dream. My number one was to tour the world with her and I, it did not disappoint. We just have so many great memories from all around the world with her and parties and beautiful hotels and meeting new people and fans that are screaming your name in a country that speaks a different language. You're like, oh my gosh, what is going on? <laughs> so it's been incredible. Why was that the dream job for you? Like her music and Destiny's Child too. So before Beyonce was, you know, had her solo career, I just remember having Destiny's Child albums on repeat. For some reason, who they are, what they represented, what they sang about, it really, you know, as a teenage girl, just really came in and, and got to me. And I, I loved it and I played it on repeat and then I would see their music videos and I loved their dance style and what they look like and what they were wearing. So just all of that felt like, oh my gosh, this is the world I want to be in. And then to think world tour where it was was you know the obvious of being able to travel doing what I love but then also the idea of being able to come back to Montreal and perform with her for my family for my loved ones was something that I was really hoping to do. You have your own mentorship program when and why did you launch this? So it was during the pandemic I decided I actually had that in mind maybe prior you know months prior a year or two prior I just was too busy to to focus solely on that and then the pandemic hit and I was like okay perfect timing sitting down I'm going to create a website of my own I'm going to you know start a, a newsletter Kimspiration I'm going to you know just create this program where I share all my tricks and tips and tools to become a professional dancer so we actually don't physically dance but we talk about everything else that surrounds that uh, for me, the main focus is probably mental, mental, you know, preparation, being confident, loving yourself, knowing what you have to offer, and then creating a plan of action that works for you specifically. Because your plan of action might be very different from mine, depending on what you want to do and where you're at. So this mentorship program helps you figure out where you need to go, and what steps you need to take next. You're right, because you have that many dancers who are so well trained and have been dancing all their lives, they don't need to learn how to do any more turns, what they need are the tools to turn their talent into a career. Yeah, it's definitely something that I would have wanted at that age. I had all these questions. I was wondering, you know, what to do next or where to go or do I need to absolutely move country? Do I not? Can I make it happen here? How much is a dancer paid? Mm. How does it work? What You know, all of these questions I feel like even for parents of dancers who want to do that, they are trying to find the answers and they're nowhere. So, you know, slowly but surely, hopefully there'll be a few programs that start opening up like that because my experience might be very different from someone else's work who was, you know, maybe a company dancer or who was on Broadway. So obviously my career is more commercial pop artist space, but I think it's important to talk about those subjects. So that's why I created this program. What does the program involve? So there's three different packages, basically. The first package is group conversations with me every two weeks and with the whole group. And we'll talk about different subjects, like I mentioned, finances, branding, networking, building your resume, your CV, your headshots, what do you need, what do you not need, and all of that. And then if you go on to package number two, then you get three privates with me. So on top of all these group conversations we're having, let's work on you specifically. What do you need? What have you, you know, understood from what we were talking about? Let's apply it. And I give you homework and challenges and things to bring back my way and everything. And then package number three is six privates with me instead of three. So three more plus a in-person event with everyone from that package, that group. So we get to celebrate you at the end of the three months together. And it's just kind of a, a way for me to show you a little bit of the glam side of, of the industry. So it's it's a beautiful like hotel event, which is, you know, which is all about celebrating you and 
we have a panel of experts that comes in to be able to answer questions. So that's kind of like in a nutshell, the Kim Shanghai experience with, you know, my three month sessions. I've done two so far. A third one will be coming up, uh, you know, in 2022. But then throughout all that, I always also, I'm always open to just private sessions. So a la carte private sessions. If people need help at any point, it, it often doesn't end after a three month program. Uh, people end up wanting more or wanting to reach out to me five months later because, you know, they're wondering how to prep for this audition they have to coming up and whatnot. So it becomes like a lifetime friendship. Who can be a part of your program? Who can be a part of my program? That's a great question. Anyone uh, interested in making dance a career, no matter where you're at. So your age doesn't matter. I have a 10-year-old in my program, and I have yeah. also a 40-something-year-old in my pro program. So some people might not want to make it a career, but they are dancers, and they're, they want to improve. They want to be better. They want to work on their self-confidence. So any of those things, if that's important to you, then you, know, you belong with us. And the age doesn't matter, and the style of dance that you do, and You could have taken only three dance classes or you could have been doing that all your life. It doesn't matter because the tools that I share and what we work on is something that's super important no matter where you're from uh, and no matter if you want to make it a career in dance or not. They're actually, you know, you can apply them to any sort of career. What are you working on with a 10-year-old? <laughs> oh, there's so much to it. You gotta, you gotta get them early. I feel like, oh yeah, I feel like all the workshops I do with, you know, 10 year olds or around that age, right away we'll talk about self-confidence and just, you know, I think it's the age where you go, you end up, anyways, here in Montreal, you end up going to high school, you're 11 or 12, the cliques, the gangs, you're doubting yourself, you're wondering if you're enough, the popular girl is tall and thin and I'm not that, you know, I think that the, the negative self-talk really comes in at that age so so we talk about that a lot we work on that well, you know I want to make sure that they're well surrounded what is their community like and their friends and the parents do will sit down you know during our private sessions because they have questions of their own so yeah there's definitely a lots to to tackle <laughs> what is the number one question most people you mentor want answered Ooh, the number one question that's great I think they just they want to know what to do next is usually the question, right? I feel like I come at a point in their life where they've probably done everything that they knew they needed to do. They're taking the classes. They have great teachers in their lives, uh, but they, they just need that extra mentor. And I think mentors are super important at any age. I think if you feel like you're lacking something or there's questions you have in a certain department, go get it. You know, it might be a relationship coach or it might be a financial coach. And then in my case, it's a, it's a dance career coach. <laughs> Now, look, you have traveled the world with artists like Liam Payne, Christina Aguilera, Justin Timberlake, Madonna, Jennifer Lopez. And my goodness, I'd love to sit down and ask you about all of those experiences, but we could be here forever. So tell me, what do you think are the traits that led you to booking and rebooking these jobs? Oh, that's great. That's what we talk about a lot in my program, actually. Longevity is important because talent will book you that first job, but then you want to make sure you keep it. So mm -hmm. anything that has to do with being a professional dancer and really the emphasis is on professional is so important. You always have to think of you coming into this job or this project, this production. It's their baby The energy is important. You know, if I think of, of a choreographer who needs to decide who are the four girls who are going to go on tour with so-and-so, well, these four girls are going to become the extension of that artist. It's important that they are positive and fun and they bring in good vibes, right? You don't have to be the, the funniest clown in the class or the this, that, but positivity, I think, is very important. So gratitude as well, it's part of that to make sure that you are always grateful, which 
by being grateful will automatically you make you act in a positive way, right? You won't take anything for granted. You'll say thank you. You'll arrive on time because you have gratitude and you're really appreciating the opportunity that you have. So anything that has to do with that sort of realm of attitude and energy as well as the, as the professionalism, you know, you have everything you need in your bag. You're on time, like I mentioned. Uh, you practice if you need to. You're not missing your flight getting to the airport late. You're, you're not someone that is complaining about your hair and makeup in front of everybody and making a scene. Like all those things we might not think about but it's important people want to make sure they're surrounded by people that are fun to work with because dancing is just a part of the job but then once you go on tour let's say you're with these people 24 7 so you want them to be you know people you want to enjoy life with so i think those those attributes are are important to think about when you go into a job you want to do your best and you want to show that you appreciate being there that's probably part of what has made me be able to book jobs again and again of all the music artists you've worked with who has been the most involved with the dancers like they want to be in there checking out the choreography uh beyonce j-lo and justin timberlake yeah out of every one i think those are probably the ones that come up the most who i think were in rehearsal as well wanted to know if we felt good are you okay should we change this so those would be my top three do you ever get tired of the touring lifestyle it can be draining Absolutely. Once you're gone for months at a time and you're living out of a suitcase, you just sort of miss that routine and that being home and the food that you're used to eating. So that could be, you know, it could be draining after a while. But in general, I love it. I'm someone that I think can adapt pretty quickly. And I know that it's not for forever. And that's what I keep in mind, which makes me just, you know, appreciate every moment. You've had so many amazing jobs. Do those jobs normally come through open auditions or are they through connections you've made? That's a great question. They're mostly connections I've made, I would say. So when I first got to Los Angeles, I definitely needed to prove myself. I went to every audition possible. And I think that's something to remember if you're listening to this podcast of this conversation is, you know, just say yes to everything. I, I wasn't picky, you know, and I, I couldn't afford to be picky because my time was calculated as a foreigner. I had three years to prove that I could make it and be working all the time or else I wouldn't be able to renew my own visa. So as soon as I got there, I was like, all right, let me go to every audition possible. Even if it's not a job that I love or necessarily want to do, it's in the, you know, the business that I'm in and I'll learn from it. So I tried to go to as many auditions as I can. And then from there, you know, being noticed here and there, making the connections, going to dance events too, to just meet people, be a part of the community is great. Taking class, of course, trying to take class from people that you want to work with, who you appreciate or who you want to just learn from, right? Great training. And then from there, as you kind of get your first job with one choreographer or with another, then often after that, you don't really have to audition. Sometimes you do, but often it's like a direct call for the same artist or yes, come in because we want to compare you with other people we might be picking. But there's definitely a lot of just word of mouth and, you know, being hit up directly. Hey, Kim, are you available next week for this? Okay, great. I'll hit up your agent. You've been on stages all around the world performing in front of millions of people. Have you ever felt pressure to look a certain way? If I said no, I think I'd be lying. I don't know that I could say a specific time, but in our industry, and you know, I think it's slowly, slowly changing, and that's good. We still have a lot of work to do, but yeah, definitely, I think 
when you look at the industry, it's based on the looks and and the, the sizes and the you know the skin color and there's just there's a lot of that involved. I remember being shocked about this system that I did not know existed, which is called typecasting. So if you go to an audition and there's 800 girls, let's say, and they won't have time to see everybody, they do a typecast. So they call, they ask everyone to stand in the line, one beside each other, and the person in charge walks around, looks at you up and down and then goes to your ear and says, yes, please, or no, thank you. And then you get cut off. Not you. It doesn't matter if you're smart, sweet, talented, you work hard, none of that matters. You haven't even spoken, you haven't moved. They just based it off of what you look like and what you decided to wear that day, like your makeup and your hair and this and that. So, so that was like a slap in the face when I first got to LA and had to witness that. That's when the self-confidence comes in. I think that's what it's super important to be your, your best friend to talk to, you know, that inner voice needs to be positive. It can be, oh my gosh, Kim, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. They'll, they'll never pick you. You're fat. You're this. You're not good enough. You, you're not flexible. You don't have technique. It has to be like, oh my gosh, Kim, you made it all the way from Montreal to LA and you love dancing and you've worked really hard to get here. So you're going to give it your all. And if you're not picked, this job wasn't for you. Another door is going to open. You know, like that, just those few sentences that are completely opposites can make a huge difference. You completed a Yale course, The Science of Wellbeing. Why did you decide you wanted to undertake some studying? I think that it's super important to always up your value. So especially as an independent contractor, if you have to take care of the jobs that are coming your way and you're kind of somewhat in control and somewhat not in control, well, what are you in control of? And I think it's being able to educate yourself and have more and more to offer. So the more you're reading up on things or taking these courses and all of a sudden you're showing up with more certificates and more things, which will make a difference between, I'm saying this, you know, as an example, but I wouldn't say it has happened to me per se, but me as a teacher versus me as a teacher who has gone through through three different, you know, online programs, well, I can charge more. And that's just, you know, the business part of thing. I think it's important to always think you need to up your value. What do you have to offer? All of a sudden, you're not just a teacher, but you're a teacher that's certified in this and this and this. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. That'll get you up ahead of maybe these other people that were also qualified, but that don't have these certifications. So I think it's always important to up your value. I'm talking about certifications here, but it really could be just reading more books or learning to work a camera or film things because that'll be useful. I taught myself how to do my website during the pandemic, which was long and hard and, you know, thank God for these tutorials that you find online. Uh, but then it paid off because I ended up being reached out by a few different friends or different companies who wanted me to, they wanted to pay me for me to do their websites. So all of a sudden I had created an extra a side hustle because I was upping my value and I learned something new. So I think it's important to always keep learning, always be that student and have something fun to offer. What have been your career highlights? Oh, my career highlights. That's hard. There's definitely so many, but the one that I think of right away is being able to perform in Montreal with Beyonce uh, in front of my family, my peers, my friends. Everyone was there. They were screaming my name. I remember, you know, some of her songs are a little bit more like serious, but I couldn't help it. I had a huge smile on and I'm a survivor. <laughs> and I get just like going off and seeing all of my friends and faces I knew. And Beyonce at the end, when we did the vow, she ended up, you know, pointing out and Kim, who's from here? And I was just shocked. And I don't even know if I heard that properly. She just stared at me and I was like, Oh, oh, me. Okay, hi. And it was just like incredible of an experience. So that's definitely going to be a highlight for forever. <laughs> what are you working on at the moment? 
At the moment, I just finished uh, choreographing with my best friend Vincent, uh, the Mass Singer version that we have here in Quebec, in Canada. So we just finished an intense three months of that, which was super fun. Uh, we had a blast. It's a great show to be a part of because every number is so different and so fun and just very fantastic in terms of the worlds that we're in. And then what do I have going on? I'll have a, my mentorship program. So I have sessions and, and I'm working with dancers currently. And then at the beginning of next year, I'm actually, you know, crossing fingers that everything is possible <laughs> with everything going on at the moment. But I'll be uh, doing a little road trip with my, uh, with my boyfriend. We're going to the States for two months to just travel and be in nature and take a little break from work, actually. And are you still wanting to work, audition and do all of that as a dancer or are you moving more into choreography? I'm definitely moving more into choreography, hosting TV shows or shows, and then mentorship, of course. Teaching is something, educating is something that I'm really passionate about. So now I've officially moved back to Montreal after 10 years in Los Angeles. Uh, I moved back in February officially, and I haven't really danced. I'm thinking, yeah, maybe like one or two commercials where I was a dancer. But besides that, I've been in choreography mode or hosting mode, and it's been really fun. I think I did what I wanted to do, you know, in L.A. and dance-wise. I've, I've done the stages and the music and the award shows and all of that, and now it's time to kind of, uh, yeah, just venture off and see what else will be next. Was there a final show or performance that you went, okay, this is my last as a professional dancer, or it just gradually sort of changed? It gradually changed, and then the pandemic happened, I'd say. So I was working with Dua Lipa a lot right before the pandemic. We had some things set up, and I was supposed to do Coachella as well with Lana Del Rey. I had a few things lined up, which would have been super fun to do and to keep in mind if, it were, if they were going to be my last. So I never really sort of had my, like, going upstage for the last time. You know, I don't think I'm fully done to cut off that side of me I'll probably dance here and there as a performer still so I think it's a gradual thing for me anyways you've had so many career highlights what have been the biggest challenges that you faced the biggest challenges that I have faced as a dancer it's probably the doubts that creeps in and I think any human being will go through that you don't have to be a dancer to do that but because we're independent contractor because we're dependent on if we get the email or the call and we're being picked uh, it could be, it could play tricks on you. You know, if I think of a lot of different jobs where you have that first interview and then you're in the company for years, if you want, and that's it, mm-hmm. you know, it's so different from a dancer who keeps having to prove herself over and over and over again. Even sometimes it's the same camps, the same artists, but they want, you know, it's been a few years. Can you come back and audition? All right. Even though you know how I dance, like it's just part of it. And then that could be hard at times to just wonder why you were cut, why you didn't make it. Just these doubts creep in Uh, was I enough you know am I getting too old did I do something wrong and you just have to stop them as soon as possible because it's not helping you it's not supporting you in what you want to be doing it's normal but these doubts I think needs to be controlled as much as possible and your your inner cheerleader needs to come back up and just cheer you on (laughs) and how do you deal with that do you give yourself a certain amount of time to wallow in it or are you just straight on to no that was not meant to be and move on it's usually like probably max a day, I would say. So I'll, I'll kind of feel this sort of, ah, uh, and I'll, uh, what I do personally is I play over that scenario. If it's an audition or something, I will play it over and over or a conversation or whatever it might be, like thinking, could I have done this? Da, da, da. Oh, man, what if? And then after a day, I'm like, okay, Kim, that's enough. That's in the past. Let's move forward and look forward. Um, so that's how I kind of tend to deal with it. But obviously that's, you know, that's the work and the practices I've, applied throughout the years. I dwelled on things for way longer than a day when I was younger. (laughs) 
What advice would you give to your 10-year-old self? To my 10-year-old self, I would say to focus on loving me because I'm unique and there's no one else like me. There is no two of me and that's my superpower. So it's important not to compare myself to others, but to just compare myself to me from yesterday. What can I do better? What can I do different? How can I keep growing? But it doesn't matter what people are doing because they have their own path, right? They have their own road and I have my own. What are your goals and dreams for the future? Health, first of all. I think that's, you know, that's the most important. And then to be honest, I really am super happy with where I'm at. Back home in a loving relationship, feeling very supported by my best friends, by my family. Work is coming in, so I think I'd be, you know, greedy if I asked for more. <laughs> so so I'm just going to say, you know, for things to keep going the way they're going. <laughs> Where can people find out more information about your mentorship program and what you were getting up to? Oh, thank you for asking, Charlie. I have a website. It's www.myname, so it's kimjangra.com. And same, uh, same for my handles on Instagram or social media, Facebook and all that. It's my full name, Kim Jangra. So I always be sharing what I'm up to on Instagram a lot. I also have a Kimspiration, I call it, a newsletter. It's free, and every two weeks you'll be getting tips and tricks and stories like what we were talking about today just to help you out if you need any you know, any support of any sort. So that's free for those who you know maybe can't afford right now a mentorship with me. And then if not, all the information is on my website. Well, Kim, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much. Same. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. You're both so lovely. And I'm here. If, if Charlie, you need any, any advice with anything, please never hesitate to hit me up. I'm putting her on a plane and sending her over to you, Kim. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I open up this this mentorship to be able to give all the tools possible for a dancer to make it a career. I feel like at 15 years old, I had so many questions when it came to, you know, we, we just said finances or how do we find out about audition? Can you get representation? Uh, do you have to? Uh, how do we get to the state? So all these questions is sort of what I answer with the, the Kim Jinka experience. Well, Kim, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Dance Matters Podcast. Make sure you head to Crystallized Costumes for all your costume needs. They make the most incredible costumes. And check out Adrenaline Dance Competition for well-run dance comps. They have a range of comps happening all year. And don't forget, you can find all previous episodes on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. We love hearing from you, so make sure you get in contact with us through our website or DM us on Instagram at Dance Matters Podcast. We would love if you get the chance to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review to help others find us. Remember to listen, love and learn. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye.